Well, good morning. I'm Mark. I'm one of the pastors on the team. One of our values as a church uh, is we just love being together. So if this is your home, if this is your church, uh, we're glad that you're here. If this is your first time, uh, welcome. Uh, what we do throughout the, the service, um, we just want to throw up a question on the screen. We've got five minutes. Uh, just a little prompt for you to have conversation around you. Uh, it's also a good excuse to go get a donut and some coffee in the back. So we've got two stations in the back. Um, so our question today is really simple. Um, what is your favorite holiday? So five minutes. Uh, go share with somebody that maybe you haven't met before. Grab a coffee, grab some uh, donuts, and then uh, we'll see you in five minutes. Ready to go. As he called his disciples and kind of gathered everybody up, this is the first recorded teaching, at least in the Gospel of Matthew, to his disciples. It's also known as 
the Beatitudes. And so uh, I want to just throw out one question as we read this this morning. Um, impressions, specifically first impressions, are really important. Would anybody else agree with that? Um, like when Lauren and I first moved here in 2018, uh, we, we came to visit um, in April. And this was like one of those April days that was like 70, sunny, and clear, right? You know those days. And we're like, I don't know what everybody's talking about. Seattle is amazing, right? Like this place is incredible, right? Um, and you also, you had, uh, you had this quarterback that got traded to the Broncos, but you had 10 seasons with him. Super Bowl, right? MVP, great first impressions, right? He's going to move on to the Broncos. It's going to be awesome. That first impression has not carried him through, right? Like a little bit different first impression. Um, when I was, uh, when I was a kindergartner, right? Very first week of school, right? Like so many emotions, so many nerves. Uh, you go, go onto the playground. It's recess. And literally the first five minutes, I sat down to tie my shoe, sat on a bee, got stung by a bee, right? Like, terrible first impression of what school is going to be. Mom, I never want to go back. I just get stung by bees, right? And and so as we look at this text this morning, specifically the Beatitudes, uh, I want us to, to have this question in our mind. Um, what uh, What is, uh, excuse me, what is our question? What are the first impressions of Jesus while he's teaching his disciples? Like, again, these are the first things that he's sharing to his disciples. Like, what first impression was Jesus making to his disciples. And so hear these words from Matthew uh, chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. It says this. It says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who... Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Again, looking at these first impressions of what Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He said, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets, uh, for the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Would you join me in prayer? God, we come to you this morning wanting to take inventory of our lives. In the ways in which we are following things, whether we realize it or not, whether we like it or not, we are becoming people who are formed. God, today we want to become more formed like you, to to realize the ways in which you are calling us into a new way to follow you. Lord, so may your words be spoken here today, God. May we not leave this place unchanged. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So uh, we, uh, when we think about um, where we're going in this next season, um, I, it's, uh, it's, it's really exciting. And so when Austin first, we had this conversation um, in later, or excuse me, earlier in the summer, um, he was like, okay, you're going to start this new series with the Beatitudes. I'm like, awesome. I got six weeks to talk about the Beatitudes. Like, there's so much here. He's like, no, dude, you got to do it in one. It's like, okay, 
Um, so that's going to be a little bit more difficult. So, uh, so today I want to offer really just like three observations uh, that really are like a theme throughout these uh, 12 verses. And, and I wish we had the time, maybe someday I'll pitch it again, to actually look at it, right? Um, but, but these three observations or these three themes continue to come up in these 12 verses, again, that Jesus shows us as, a, as his first impressions. And, and so really simply today, uh, this is where we're going. Uh, really simply, it's, it's uh, the way of Jesus is to live now like you'll live later. The way of Jesus is to live now like you'll live later. Um, some view the, uh, the the Beatitudes, or specifically the Sermon on the Mount, as um, maybe like an ethic that is too high or too lofty to obtain. Like some of the words, uh, some of the things, the framework that Jesus is presenting, like it feels almost unattain- unattainable or unachievable. Um, other people see it as we've had 2,000 years of commentary and studying on this, right, as, as Christians. Other people see it as, as aspirational, right? Like something that we can actually do, actually achieve, actually live into on this earth. And yet clearly, Jesus presents a deep connection between the now and later. What is now and what is to come. The present reality and a future hope. What is now and what will be later. And so, uh, really simply, this first observation that I want to, to bring to us today, um, not every sermon is, is really good with three points, but today is like a really easy three point one, so I'm gonna throw three of them at you, okay? Um, and so, uh, this first observation, the, the word blessed comes, shows up nine times in this phrase, right? Um, and, and really it's this theme, blessed now and blessed later. Right? So, for instance, um, verse 7, it says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God is, is, Jesus is naming the fact that you are experiencing blessing now, but, but something will be, be coming for you later on. Uh, I don't know about you, but, but this word like blessed or, or, or phrase like bless you or God bless you, like, uh, it's, it's used a lot in our culture and, and sometimes it feels like a little empty, right? Like, what does that actually mean, like in that exchange as a salutation or whatever? Um, something that we talk about oftentimes with students is, is really simple. Um, the word blessed simply just means to be near God. The word blessed just simply means to be near God. And, and so that kind of puts a new spin on, on this, uh, on these ch- uh, chapters or these verses when we start to think about like God is just naming the things or naming experiences or naming parts of the kingdom of God when we're near Him that will experience His presence. Blessing or to be blessed is simply to be near God. And, and again, as, as humans, as students, we talk about this all the time where uh, we, we see a blessed life or to live into the blessed life or whatever that means. Uh, we see so many different definitions in our culture, in our society, specifically in this community, right? Like, what does it mean to, to live the blessed life, to experience blessing? There's a lot of different definitions that we can come up with. But, but I think what Jesus is saying here is simply to be near God, to be in proximity, to be in the presence of God, like that is what the blessed life is. And, and I love the contrast. If you, if you have your Bible in front of you or, uh, or your, your phone, you can see that the first four that Jesus lists, like the person has no control or we as people have no control 
over persecution, right? We have no control over the ways in which um, we'll be poor in spirit or, or if we're in a season of mourning, right? Like we have no control of that. And yet Jesus says, you're blessed. Even when life feels out of control, that when you are near me, you are blessed. And then there's, uh, there's these other five that come where we, we have a little bit more responsibility and an action to take. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Like, we have opportunity to live into the nearness of God, to show mercy to my neighbor, to show mercy to my coworker that frustrates me, or uh, to show uh, mercy to my, my teammate or my friend or whatever that totally just, like, irks you sometimes. Like, that is living into the kingdom of God. Right? That is upholding this framework, these first impressions that Jesus offers. The way of Jesus is to live now like you'll live later. Seeing this blessing both now and blessing both later. Um, the second phrase is, is really simple too. Um, what is now will be later. Right? What is now will be later. So each verse makes a statement about the present or the present condition uh, that has an impact on the future. Every single statement has uh, a, a really like a consequence or a cause for the future. And I'll also love this too. Like look at all of these uh, these phrases or these teachings that Jesus gives. Again, with first impressions, every single one of them has to do with people and has to do with relationships and how we interact. Like think about that. Like those are the first impressions that Jesus wanted us to think about. Like the way in which we live to treat people, treat one another, living into the kingdom of God, like that's what he chose to speak on and to teach on first. And so um, uh, maybe, raise your hand if you got those now and later candies. Anybody actually get like a bag of those? Okay, okay, yeah. So you see the, you can make new friends, all right? Um, I don't know if you've had one of those, like they're super chewy, honestly. I like high chews or something else better. Um, but, but that like flavor like lingers and lasts, right? Like for 45 minutes after your jaw is like absolutely numb, it's like still there, right? Uh, and so there's something that, that's like present now, like when you first pop that candy in, that like it's still there uh, a later time, right? I was also, I was talking to um, a student on, on campus earlier this, uh, this fall, and um, this person was preparing for uh, a piano recital. And they're like, yeah, you know, I have this piano recital. I've been practicing for um, a couple years. It's 45 minutes. I was like, dude, that has got to be a ton of music that you have to, to not only read, but like uh, to learn. He's like, actually, like, I know it. Like, I know it by heart. Um, I don't even really have to read the music. I was like, what? Like, I, I can look at two chords on the guitar, and then I have to, like, look where I am, right? And so, uh, but for him, it was just like, it just became part of him, right? It just became part of who he was that like he put so much practice in the now that he knew what to do when the time came right or it often like for athletes or anybody else that's like preparing for something big with training like you put in the time in the now to reap the, the benefits or the payoff that will come later this is the same thing okay so uh let's just be students of the bible for a little bit and look at these uh these verses in a way that uh that really just shows us how our present condition or the present condition that Jesus is speaking to has a future reward. The present condition has a future reward. Um, what I love about these, uh, 
this this contrast, even this chart, is you, you can see that like there's a condition that we're experiencing, right? Um, meekness, hunger and thirst for righteousness, merciful, pure in heart, that then has like this future implication. And again, like I think what Jesus is saying is there's a connection between the way in which we live now to the way in which we will experience later. But the cool thing is, is that he says, you don't, you don't have to wait till later to experience the fullness or to experience the kingdom. Like, as I've come, the kingdom has come. And even though it hasn't been fully revealed, even, even though everything hasn't been made right, like, you, as my disciples, are part of bringing the fullness of this kingdom into fruition. Like, think about that. Like, like Jesus chose to work through his disciples, to work through us, to work through people, to fully bring into, uh, bring in his kingdom into, into fruition. Like, that, that's a pretty powerful promise that's on display here. The way of Jesus is to live now like you will live later. And this, uh, this next one I want us to, to think about is, um, it's actually a passage, um, it comes in, uh, in a little bit later in, in Matthew. Um, and it's talking about prayer, but it's the same implications, right? Uh, maybe you've read this before. It says, truly I tell you, uh, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Anybody ever read that verse before? Anybody ever been like, what is he talking about? I'm like, what is loosed? I didn't even know, like, what, what, what is that word, right? Uh, and, Really, all that Jesus is talking about here, I had to look this up because it's like, it confuses me every time, right? Like, all he's talking about is there's this, there's this connection. There's this tie between what we do here on this earth now and the internal implications. Right? There's this connection that, that Jesus is talking about prayer in this moment of the ways in which you pray here and the ways in which, uh, you, what you pray for, like, has implications for what will be to come. Like, like, that's a pretty powerful promise of this connection between now and later. And finally, this, this last observation of, uh, the ways in which we continue to see this phrase come up is, is kingdom now and kingdom later. Verse 3, right at the very beginning of the actual teaching, starts with, uh, the kingdom or inheriting the kingdom. Or for theirs is the kingdom. And then it ends, it's kind of sandwiched with verses 10 and 12 with kingdom language as well, right? Begins and ends with the kingdom. Again, going back to Jesus and the first impressions that he definitely thought through really intentionally. Like, he wanted us to catch the fact that the kingdom is something that we can't miss. The kingdom is something that is continuing to unfold as Jesus has come and yet is not fully revealed. And, and the thing about this, this kingdom language, right, like it would have been really familiar to a lot uh, of people um, in that day and age, right? Like uh, Israel was in control of the, by the Roman Empire, right? And, um, and they had been conquered and they'd been under Roman rule for centuries, right? And so they knew what it meant to live in a kingdom. Uh, but maybe you've, you've heard the phrase like Pax Romana, right? Like this, this peace that came in the Roman Empire, um, it was a peace that came through force. And then here comes Jesus on the scene. 
completely shifting and, re- and reframing and flipping up the idea of kingdom. He says, this kingdom is going to be one of love. This kingdom is going to be one of, not of coercion or power or suppression, but, but one of mercy and one of righteousness and one of wholeness. I love the ways in which, uh, I think it, it really intentionally, even in the translation, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Like it's possessive, right? Like he's saying that it belongs to you, to his disciples, to us. Like we are the ones in which we have inherited this. To live into this kingdom is one that Jesus continues to invite us to. And so what does this, this mean? What is this, this now and later language? What does this mean? As a church, again, uh, we're in this season of, of, of newness, and we're seeing this new vision, this new opportunity, and a phrase that uh, we continue to, to use or to throw around is as in Sammamish as it is in heaven. And there's this direct connection between what we do now, what is now, and what will be in eternity. In Sammamish as it is in heaven. In Seattle as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. I think simply what Jesus is telling us and what he's modeling us and what he's showing us is that we are to be about the things now that will matter later. That we will be about the things of bringing righteousness and bringing justice and bringing mercy here now, living that out, because that is what the kingdom to come is all about. The great theologian uh, Marcus Aurelius said this. He said, uh, what we do in life echoes into eternity. Marcus Aurelius is not a great theologian. He was actually um, <laughs> a Roman ruler, right, that was just a power hungry and wanting to expand the empire. Um, but, but the theme rings true, right, especially with the kingdom. He's on to something that if you want to build a kingdom now that will last later, you have to see that every moment counts. That every interaction counts. That every word counts in the ways in which we interact with our friends. The ways in which we interact with our spouses. The ways in which we position ourselves with our neighbors. If we are living into this kingdom, that every word and action counts. And so how do we live this way? What we're doing now actually having internal impact uh, I think it's it's really simple. This is probably one of my favorite uh, quotes that I've ever come come by. I've used this with students multiple times. It says, every day do something that won't compute. Love the Lord, love the world, practice resurrection. If you want to know how to live into this framework that Marcus Aurelius gave us, is, is to do something simply that won't compute. Again, because it's a new type of kingdom. Right? The power kingdom would say, like, do whatever you can to amass wealth or to amass um, land or to amass purpose, right, in, in uh, the Roman Empire. And Jesus comes along and says, no, actually, what actually builds the kingdom of God is doing things that make no sense. When someone harms you or does something wrong to you or talks bad about you, you turn around and show them mercy in the same way that God has shown you mercy. When your neighbor does something that deserves no forgiveness, Jesus says, you are to go and to forgive just as I have forgiven you. And friends, like you would agree that to the world that makes no sense. 
Right? That does not compute. To live into a world where forgiveness is offered, that doesn't make sense to a worldly framework, to this old type of kingdom. And yet that's exactly what Jesus invites us to do. And really, it, it hinges on the fact that God showed us the most prime, perfect example of something that doesn't compute. And coming into our lives in through carnation, incarnational, to be with us, that makes no sense. That does not compute. And he goes even further, right? Is to give up his life, Jesus and his life, death and resurrection does not compute. That makes no sense in worldly terms or in just rational terms. That you would give up your life for someone else. And yet that's exactly the God that we serve. The God that we know. The kingdom that Jesus was ushering into. And as, as Christians, we cling to this hope of, uh, of this now and later kingdom, of the resurrection being the hope that we, we hold on to, and, and the ways in which we have eyes to see uh, opportunities to do things that don't compute. It's as simple as that. The way of Jesus is to live a way that doesn't compute with the world, and yet makes a ton of sense when we live into the kingdom. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. That's right. So very simply, this now and later language, right? We, are, we see the blessed now and blessed later. What is now will be later. And the kingdom now will be the fullness of the kingdom later. Quite simply, the way of Jesus is to live now like you'll live later. To live now like you'll la- live later. This is the way of Jesus. Would you join me in prayer? God, would you search us this morning in the ways in which we are living um, with short-sightedness. God, with ways that we, we live holding on to things and clinging to things that, um, that are not of you. Lord, search us and, and show us in our lives where we have opportunity to, to live the way in which you have called us to live. Lord, may we not do it alone. May you bring people around us, maybe even some in this room this morning that just need that community of what it means to live your way together. God, may we be that for one another. Lord, as we continue to seek first your kingdom, God, may it just continue to transform our hearts and the ways in which we live now continue to to shape the ways in which we hope for your resurrection and ultimately our resurrection that will be experienced. God, search us today. Show us even this afternoon, this next week, in our lives, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, of how we can live this way. 
Jesus, we give it to you. Amen.